This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kahn. Hi, I'm John Jagger. I'm a software developer. I've been doing that for, goodness me, over 45 years now. I live in the southwest of the UK. Uh, I built CyberDojo because I think it's a worthwhile thing to do, and an interesting thing to do, and a fun thing to do. First episode of the series about Cyber Dojo. Hey, what is Cyber Dojo? What is it for? It's an online tool that you use in the web browser, and it allows you to practice test-driven development, where development is obviously programming development. Uh, in I think we're over 50 different languages now, and a variety of different test frameworks that, that come with the languages. That's it in a nutshell. 50 different programming languages. About that, yeah. I kind of lose track a little bit because I built it with a sort of plug-in architecture. So if people want to add their own language, they often say, can you support this language? And I say, no, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that gets into my next question because I think building software is hard work and most people are doing this to get rich. And maybe you are, I don't know. So what's inciting this active development of, 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 of CyberDojo? That's a good question. It, I, the, the foundation of it was that I was scratching an itch that I actually had. Because, I don't know, 12 years ago or something, I was self-employed freelance consultant stroke agile coach, whatever you want to call it. And I would sometimes turn up at places and previously I'd said, you need to have this compiler installed and we're going to be learning about C. And they'd say, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I'd turn up and they didn't have it installed. And if you were doing a three-day course, you could easily waste the first half of the whole day getting stuff installed. Oh, you mean you were serious when you told us to install all those tools? Oh, we thought we were just joking. <laughs> <laughs> right. So part of, that was a little bit of it. that I, I, did, I did use it for my own work when it was very, very early days with really very quickly mocked up, hacked together piece of code that only worked for the lang the two languages I need needed. And I also had a couple of other sort of threads in my mind at the time. One was that I'm a big fan of deliberate practice, of doing things to learn. I guess it's just in my nature when I do something, I like to do it well. But there was also a specific incident that occurred one time. I was doing some work in Oslo. My friend Olve had, had invited me from a company that was called Tanberg. They were bought a few years ago by Cisco. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were Cisco's first European acquisition. They may be their only ac European acquisition. But I happened to be there, and Bob Martin was, Uncle Bob Martin, who was very well known in the Agile circles, was visiting some other client. And he, the local community, got to find out about it and said, would you do uh, an evening meetup for free? And he said, yeah, sure. He said, I'd like to do it a, a, a coding dojo. Uh, because that's what he was particularly interested in at that moment in time, I imagine. And so I went along in the evening, and there was about 30 of us, and it was a little bit of a disappointment, mostly because, like I just hinted at a moment ago, it was it, this was in a pub, and this was, you know, 10, 12, 12 years ago now, and, he, and he'd said, uh, bring your laptops, and before we start, you need to install this language in this test framework. And I kid you not, at the end of an hour and a, 20 minutes or whatever it was, of the six or seven groups who'd formed, two of them basically had nothing to show because they were still trying to install the language and test framework through a pub Wi-Fi 12 years ago, right? 
And I was thinking about <laughs> even that. having Wi-Fi in the pub is pretty pretty good. <laughs> right? Yeah. That was. I thought that was a real disappointment. I felt disappointed, and I felt that other people probably would as well, if particularly if they were in those two groups. There was a few other things as well that made it not quite great. Not a great evening. It, it didn't work out particularly well. And I thought, how could that have done well? Because I kind of have this retrospective mind whenever something goes not so well i like i replay in my mind how could we have done that better again that's my nature of trying to learn and get better and i realized that of course you didn't actually need to install anything that could have been completely and utterly bypassed and there could have been we could have been doing it in a web-based ide at the time i mean web-based ides are to a penny now more or less but at the time it was quite an unusual idea and then i had an insight because I realized that not only would you be able to get started straight away, but if you were using a web-based IDE, the web could basically, in some way, shape, or fashion, record everything that you do, the important events that you did while you were doing the particular exercise that Bob had picked. And the benefit of that, of course, would be that you could do a really, really tremendous retrospective towards the end of the session. And you could everyone could literally see not just the work that everyone finished up with, but crucially, the steps they took to get there. Oh, nice. That was the genesis of the idea. And uh, a few other things came into it. Sort of, sometimes you can look back at a moment and it was the right thing at the right time. And it just clicked. And there was, there was one other thing, I guess, that was in my mind at the time. And that was that I, I did, I've done a lot of reading of the work of Jerry Weinberg and did some of his courses in America before he uh, died uh, a few years ago. He was a very old man. And he was a really, really strong advocate of programming being a group activity and not an individual activity. Mm, interesting. So I had this idea that I really wanted to make it a focus on the, not the individual, but on the group. And so that was the genesis of the idea that you don't log in when you do CyberDojo. It's all anonymous. And that is actually quite an important feature, I think, of the way I built it. Because when you're doing a review, you can't say, oh, look, Fred has done this. That isn't he stupid? Because you don't know who did what. All you can literally, all you can do is comment on the code that you see in front of you, which is totally anonymized. There are there are avatars, so you might be looking at the code that was pr produced by the lion. That's the avatar for that. And there's another piece of code that was for the same exercise, maybe, and that was the giraffe or whatever it might be. But all the time, you're just talking in terms of these avatars. Now, of course, in the audience, there's some people, at least one person, who was quote the lion, and when you when you comment on the code and you can say, well, I think maybe whoever was doing this, maybe the lion was thinking about this and they did this because of this, etc. And the lion can decide if they want to comment. It's entirely up to them if they want to comment and say, no, 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 I wasn't thinking that. This was what I was thinking. But it's totally up to them whether they reveal who they are. Mm -hmm. So I'm a very big fan of that because getting feedback, really high quality feedback to give you the learnings stimulus is a word that's bandied around a lot, but it's actually really, really difficult to get high-quality feedback. And a lot of the bias that comes from that low-quality feedback that you get is because it, you know who's doing what, and so there's all kind of social aspects that tie into it. Plus, to be honest as well, thinking about it now, some developers just are shy. Mm. And I think it's important to cater for the, all kinds of personalities. So... That's a long answer to a short question. Yeah. But, um, well, that made those sense. Those were the thoughts in my head at the time, yeah. Yeah. Let's imagine most of the audience doesn't know or have ever experienced this, the Cyber Dojo tool. Can you kind of like walk us through sure. how we would get going with it? You start by selecting the language that you want to practice in. 
Cyberdojo.org, right? Let's start with it there. Cyber-dojo.org. Thank you. Sorry. That's it. And and then there. Select the language. And you also have to select the test framework. And that's, again, a very important part of the design, that those two are inextricably linked. Once you've done that, it tells you your six-character ID. And only you know that. You can choose to reveal that to other people if you want. But that's your ID for your practice session. And then... You hit OK once you know what your ID is, um, and you're taken to the next page on the browser, and you're literally in an IDE where you have the the starting files, two of them, always two of them, one for the language in question and one for the tests, and a text file that explains the little problem you're trying to solve. So basically, those are the three files you've got. And then you read the exercise. Because one of the, one of the things that I... As uh, CyberDojo was described to me in the past, I didn't know it came preloaded with exercises. So you, right. so, so you can like browse through there and you can see what kind of coding kata you want to do. And you can yes. pick that. And then, the, and then the environment comes all preloaded. It has, as you said, instructions for, for doing it. So it's really, really awesome. At that point, there isn't really much you can do. And again, this is quite a deliberate design choice. If you're working in a modern IDE, which is built to allow you to go fast and finish things, You've got all kinds of options for refactoring and saving and compiling and running and testing and lots of things like that. And I deliberately cut this right, right, right down because in my mind, CyberDojo isn't an integrated development environment. It's, it's more of a learning environment. That's, that was my, my big part of my idea was that I want to get to the feedback at the end. So there is no compile. There is no save. There is only one button, and that's hit the tests, run the tests. That's all you can do. And when you run the tests, all the code gets sent to my server, the server runs it, and it knows for the particular test framework that you've picked what the output format is. And it knows what a red out, a failing test output looks like, and it knows what a passing test output looks like. So it automatically gives you back a red traffic light or a green traffic light if they failed or if they passed. And that, that, that is essentially it. Yeah, you hit the button to run the tests with probably with some preformed expectation that they're either going to pass or fail. And you look at the output that comes back, literally stood out, and you read that to help you understand whether what you thought was going to happen actually happened. And if it did, you can move on. And if it didn't, you've got to go around the debug loop, which is what so many developers spend so much of their life in, right? Right. And you keep going for however long you want to keep going. And at the end, or whenever you decide to stop, even if you haven't finished, what you can then do is click on any traffic light. And if you click on that traffic light, what it will bring you to is the other page, because there's only really two pages. And that's the review page, like I said, and that was the main focus of the of, the, of why I built it. And the, and the clicking on the traffic light takes you to the diff view at the moment you did that test. Oh. And you can move forwards and backwards in time because essentially every time you do a you press the test button, behind the scenes there's a git commit that happens along uh, with knowledge of which whether it's red or green. And so I can retrieve the git diff between any two traffic lights and show you that on the on the browser. Okay. So when it, when it records your steps, do you mean it does it through Git or is there also a, vis- a visual uh, video, I mean? Behind the scenes, it's Git, but you don't know that. You never have to know any Git, Git syntax. It's, it's all just presented to you as a nice web front end with a, a button to move forwards and a button to move backwards. Nice. I have to go back yeah. and play with that. I haven't tried the, I haven't gotten into the review screen. Yeah, no, that's, that's really awesome because folks on this podcast should, should already know, but if they don't, the, the main point with, uh, so so John was talking about teaching TDD, which means ostensibly that the unit test is written before the code. And that's a really a tough sticking point with most developers in the wild. Because right. my excuse is that 
We learn by copying others, number one, and most people I, unfortunately don't do TDD. Number two, we learn to with just like sample demo code. And so some people think, oh, why would I bother doing TDD? I'm just teaching how to do this. Uh, I'm, I'm showing how to build a UI, I'm showing how to get the buttons, right. or I'm showing how to do the logic, whatever. And then number three, in, as well in school, it's reinforced to just get the, the product done. Don't worry about maintainability, because in school, we don't maintain anything. We just throw that, right. that stuff's just good for the grain. You throw it away. So, right. yeah. Are you new to Agile or Scrum? Looking for a fun way to pick up the knowledge to become an Agile team? Go get the novel, Agile Noir. It's a dramatic novel about a project manager who needs to transform his teams to become Agile because his life depends on it. This book is available in the US on Amazon, in India on pothy.com, in China it's available on my WeChat store. Links are in the show notes. Check out the podcast notes and you will find some nice clickable or tappable things that are related to this episode, such as the URL to Cyber Dojo and a few video presentations from John Jager. Next episode, more Cyber Dojo. You're right in the sense that in the strict sense, if you like, TDD, you always write the test first. But I wouldn't claim to be as zealous, if that's the word, as that. If you ask me, for example, hand on heart, when I wrote Cyber Dojo, did I always write the test, which I did in a TDD fashion, <laughs> did I write it always writing the test first? The answer is no, not always. I mean, I very rarely do something, always. You know this is being recorded, right? Yeah, yeah. You're coming on the record here. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> What's important for me, more important for me, is that the coding and the tests are in a closely evolving loop. I don't want to ever write a lot of code without the test, but equally, I don't ever want to write a lot of tests without the code because they both give each other feedback. I think that for me is the most important thing. Mm -hmm.